Yo. Hey. Can you hear me all right? Just, uh, yeah, I do. Hold on. Let me just uh, get this set up here. That's a little better. Yeah. Are you at your What's office? Up, right? Are you at your office? No, I'm not actually. I'm at my home. All right. <laughs> it's so good to see you. You too. Yeah, it's 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 like it's like weird and nostalgic and uh, and awesome. I know, I know. <laughs> I was. Just, it's funny. So, well, first, I'm like, I'm sipping the the tea right now. Oh, cool! I'm yeah. sipping mine also, actually. Yeah. So I. We I mean, can, we'll, uh, yeah. We'll, we we'll talk about that because I want to. I want to know what I'm sipping on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just so happy that like we reconnected. I realized that you and I that you you and I texted like probably like four years ago. I think it was really. Like, yeah, I think it was like when you started your practice. And, probably when I first came back from LA, probably. Right. And uh and you were like, Oh, hey, come by and like we'll do some like acupuncture. And I was like, Oh yeah, oh, yeah I, I remember. wanna I wanna come and do it. And I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, it never came to fruition. But I mean, it's funny because like even though like I guess you and I were like friendly acquaintances doing stand-up like friends but like stand-up friends very friendly acquaintances yeah 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 but like we didn't hang out outside of stand-up right right right. but we actually spent a pretty large amount of time together yeah yeah well i mean you know stand-up it's like it's like and probably all of showbiz but especially stand-up is 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 so unique in that sense because like uh because co-workers have are, are are able to develop so much more of a of a like I, I think such a stronger bond because because the nature of the job is culture and and the right. nature of the job is socialization and also the nature of the job is is also you know watching watching your buddy and your, and your colleague go up there and like you know pour his guts out and and oftentimes like you know eat his his guts yeah <laughs> <laughs> or something more more profane you know like yeah. uh like in a bad set and and so i think it's i think there's something so much more uh intimate and and connecting about it than than a lot of other like you know professions the the colleagues have yeah well i mean especially like you know in a world where you get to like say whatever you want right right like especially there's no yeah. way now people are talking the way that like people talking I've thought in the of that. world. I know. You know what I mean? I've thought of that. I've thought you know? of that. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So like you can get away with pretty much anything, but it like yeah, in some ways it like unites people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but you and I also spent a lot of time at like the same clubs for a good amount right. of time, and which so was that what, that's, was a whole yeah. other layer. Right. That cuz that's another big difference. It's like yeah, some comics it's you know, you see over the course of 10 years you see them like seven times. Because right. you guys don't work any of the same clubs. And then other comics over the course of 10 years, you'll see literally about a thousand times because if yeah. you work the same clubs. And so, yeah, it's, it's really interesting in that sense too. Yeah. 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 So like somehow you and I were like at the Laugh Factory all the time mm -hmm. together. Um, yeah. And I learned who you were there because I first got hired as like someone who worked in the office because I right. moved from Los Angeles and was like trying to get a job and I had connected with the Laugh Factory people and I was in there. And I, I remember like, that. Yeah. So I, I knew who you were because you were someone who was passed there. And then after that, we spent like a good amount of time in the cave at Ha Comedy Club. Sure. Risking our lives. Not, not because of the <laughs> audiences, but because of the ownership. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 
but you were somebody who was just like, you know, like really widely liked. So I don't know. I think about, you know, the people who I know who have continued doing stand up. And I think of poor, poor bastards. Right. <laughs> no, but I, but I do, I think of someone like you who, you know, was like widely liked and really, really good. And yeah, I, I genuinely mean it. Um, not just because I'm here looking at your face now. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because when someone told me that you had stopped doing it, I was like, oh my God, like he was hilarious, is hilarious. Thanks, that man. doesn't change. Like, that doesn't go away. Um, so much so that, you know, after we spoke like early during the COVID lockdown, yeah, I was, tell- I was telling my wife about you and I was like, you've got to like, you've got to watch his stuff. And I showed her a video and I think it was a video of you doing a bit about it must have been about your friends making fun of you because you were trying to better yourself. Okay. Right? Like you were like, Oh yeah. Like I, you know, like not drinking or like, you know, like somehow. Like oh that wow. Some... I, is that video still online? I, I don't I, even know that. I don't, yeah. I don't, I'm, I mean, it sounds like a, like a, like a clip, uh, a bit I definitely did. I, I yeah. just, I can't think of the YouTube video that's presently yeah. up, but okay. But I was just like, no, you just need to understand like, this is not just somebody who stopped. I was like, Oh, this is somebody who's really, really funny. Um, Thanks, so, man. so I'm curious, um, only because it's something that I, I don't know the answer to, how, how did you make that decision being as deep as you, cause you've been doing it longer than I had. And I had been doing it for like nine yeah. years when I stopped. Yeah. What, what was kind of the point where you're like, you know what, this isn't for me or I'm, I'm, I'm not enjoying this artistically or what was it? Yeah, there was never a point. <laughs> there is there was never a moment where where I, I don't I don't think there was ever a moment where I made the decision. So I, I was um yeah, I was I was hardcore full time for twelve years in New York. And then I was out in New York, uh or I'm sorry, then I went out to LA for three years and it was uh, you know, in in sort of typical artist like take the take the west side plunge or vice versa, west side comic taking the east side plunge. Right. uh fashion it was it was very difficult you know uh it was it was very probably typical in that sense um and probably and harder so, because and probably harder because you were like born and raised in new york right yeah it was hard for a multitude of reasons right. you know it's like yeah. all of the reasons um right. yeah all my friends and family were back in new york and and so but i just felt like i i, I felt like i had to go because i felt like Basically, I felt like I had been rejected by by everyone in New York, and so like you know, I had I had success early in my career, and and I was very lucky, and I was on a bunch of TV shows, and and but it was mostly through the black comedy circuit, and so and so I so I didn't get any recognition from from the industry for that, whether it was you know whether it was racism or just or just me being a new comic and and you know not having really honed my craft yet, um, and then much later on i had some i had some lucky success in some of the festivals and some of the mm-hmm. in some of the mainstream festivals and so i really thought that would be my ticket not to you know I, like we know as comics not to be coming jerry seinfeld overnight but at least becoming you know somebody who has oh i have a good manager and i can make a living and i can you right. know I, I can scratch by and, and and so that when that didn't come to fruition um it was at that point it was um it was really bittersweet because i had like just won this festival um and it's like this great moment but it was like oh my god like they still don't want me and and so nobody wants me here (laughs) and so that's why i was like all right well i have to go try my hand in la at least they don't they don't know me there like maybe i can just you know they can see me at you know at uh at face value without maybe 
baggage of the past. And so when I came back from LA, uh, having had you know, some great experiences and making some great friends out there, but, but ultimately disappointing in, in, in so far as my goal went, um, I had a master's degree in, in traditional Chinese medicine that, uh, is, you know, it's a, it's a four year program. It's a very expensive program. It's a very, it's a program that requires a lot of hard work and, and definitely passion because, uh, yeah, because because it's probably you know just a you know one or two steps shy of, of actual medical school in its in its work, and so uh, and so I was like, all right, in in LA I was waiting tables to make a living. I was like, I'm not going to wait tables anymore, and I'm not mm-hmm. making a living off comedy. And it's and now it's been 15 years, mm-hmm. um, so I at least have to pursue this second passion. And so um, so I was excited about that actually. When I moved back from LA, I was I was I was so excited to get started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really excited to be back in New York, but, uh, but I was really excited to get started and be like, Hey, I'm not waiting tables. I'm practicing Chinese medicine. Like I'm practicing, mm-hmm. you know, a profound paradigm of holistic medicine. Like I'm no right. longer running pasta out to the table and no disrespect to waiters because I did it for years and yeah. if you can keep doing it. Like God bless you, you know? Um, but, but, uh, but obviously this was something that I had already wanted to do. And so, um, so I, when I came back to New York, I was still doing standup. I, I, you know, luckily some of the clubs that I was a regular in, they let me right back in. I did a couple of the bar shows uh, of, of people that I was friendly with. And I just figured I'd still do it and, and probably maybe not as often. And after about six months, I just, I was just completely burnt out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, like, cause then it's like, it's one thing doing two jobs throughout your twenties and your early thirties. But when I came back from LA, it's like, well, then I'm creeping close to 40 years old. And it's like mm-hmm. doing two jobs, especially when one is like, Oh man, I just saw 12 patients today with these complex diseases that mm-hmm. I'm researching and I'm treating them and I'm putting needles in people. And it's like, right. you know, um, and I would come out of these shifts in, in the clinic in my office and it'd be like 8 PM. And like, you know, the idea of going to one of the bar shows and sitting in the back of the room, like, was just the, it was just, it was just inconceivable, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so it's also I a bit, it's also a big juxtaposition because like, when you're doing what you're doing, right, it's, it's the, the, the interaction with people in the space you hold from them, it, even if they're dealing with something, it's very like positive in both directions. Like they want to be helped and you want to help. Or right, you know, very something gentle. Yeah. right yeah whereas like in stand-up like it's no guarantee that it's going that way both ways right right, right? so it's just like <laughs> you could be walking yeah, into yeah. an opposite experience where you're like no i really just want to help people and then people are like no i hate you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know but you know it's funny it's like you know in my first year in acupuncture it's like i was such a i mean i was such a comic you know i mean like my whole adult life had been a comedian. And, and I don't say that to say, I, you know, not that I was like trying to crack jokes for my patients, you know, unless, unless it was appropriate um, or, and, and organic, but, but meaning that everything I did in Chinese medicine and one of my mentors in Chinese medicine, um, Clayton Shu, he used to make fun of me about this when I was apprenticing under him. Um, mm-hmm. But everything I did, I would parallel to comedy. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, if a patient wasn't getting better, if they weren't responding to my treatments, yeah. I, would, I would always wonder, I'm like, okay, is this me? Am I not, do I have not have the right diagnosis or is it their diet and lifestyle that's getting in the way? And so it was like the same thing as in comedy is like, is that a bad joke? 
or is this a shitty fucking crowd? You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Like, I always thought of that. And, and, and so like, so like, you know, the patient would come back and have a bad report. And I would think like, maybe it's just a bad crowd. Like, you mm-hmm. know, <laughs> or, or maybe it's me, you know? Right. That's <laughs> um, funny. But, but to just, just to finish the answer is um, about six months after I got back from the, uh, got back from LA and, and started my practice, I, I just, I noticed myself canceling mm-hmm. show after show. I'd be mm-hmm. booked, I'd be booked and, and I would cancel. And I, I'd cancel two nights before. I'd cancel the, the afternoon of. And, and you know that that's not like me. I mean, that's not really like any comic, really. Um, and so it's just too hard of a business. You can't. You just can't be like that. Uh, and so I just cancel. I would cancel and cancel and cancel. And then I realized I was like, I'm fucking destroyed. Mm-hmm. Like I just need a break. Mm-hmm. And it was about to be the winter time. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna take a break for the winter. And then at the end of the winter. It was, I like, there was like, it, it didn't change. Things just got busier. I was more right. exhausted. Right. And, and suddenly, and suddenly the first time though, where you're like, oh, like, I don't need to go out every night. Where yeah. You're like, oh, like yeah. I get to go to bed at whatever, nine or 10 yeah. or whatever. Like that, yeah. that's a real game changer. I know. Yeah. So, I mean, and that was, that was it. And so I, I haven't done a, I haven't done a show since then, but I, I tell you, I, I, I mean, I, I love, Chinese medicine and I I love it more every every year I I love it more every few months every few months that I find myself sort of improving and and understanding the medicine I I love it more and more and if somebody were to offer me like you know 150k a year to just be a full-time stand-up comic tomorrow I I drop medicine completely (laughs) (laughs) and I, I would go back right now like right absolutely no doubt about it so you you were still like artistically satisfied uh what do you mean like like you were still like uh, you were still enjoying like what you were creating artistically in terms of like in terms of your expression yeah oh i was i i mean like because i i remember like i remember the stuff you were doing when i first saw you so let's say i moved in you i moved in york in 2005 and i think i saw you in 2005 because i think you were yeah i would say that yeah yeah. i think that was like early ish into your career like you had had a bunch of like the like it you was. said the, the success with um uh like some of like the more like hood shows right yeah 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 um but super funny but like you were bigger then like like bigger in the sense that like it was right. more like you you were you were more animated totally. and then totally. i remember how you were when i stopped in like 2012 and you were saying like you were wise. Like you were saying things. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there are some people who get up and they like crush and they're funny. But then there are people who like, they're really funny, but they're the people who are saying something. And right. those people that people often remember and they're like, oh, they were so funny. And they're like, well, they didn't kill you the way that other guy killed you. And you're like, yeah, right. but that was like, they, they talked about things. And I remember yeah. you talking about things. And I remember that's why I was like, oh, you, when I showed your video to my wife, I was like, you don't understand. Like it, this person was able to talk about things. And right. that's like this right. bigger thing. And that's why I was curious about the, the artistic satisfaction because you were at that point that I think a lot of people feel like they're really reaching for to maybe get there where they're like, oh, I can get up on stage and kind of do like what a Chappelle's able to do. You know, right, those right. people who can like talk, you know, even to me, like a Seinfeld tells jokes. He's not saying things about like right. how he's probably the is. best at it, but yeah, right. yeah he's right, the best right, at right. telling <laughs> jokes, but right. like, you know, that's not the person who's like 
I don't know, just expressing things that are happening in society and culture and, and, and right. in, the, in their personal life and in, this, in that way that's relatable, you know? And that's why I was curious because you were at that point. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it, it's not something uh, that, that gets me down on a, mm-hmm. on a, on a daily or, or even weekly regular, <laughs> no mm-hmm. regular basis at all. But, uh, but, um, but no, I would say even, even when I came back from LA, I mean, I would say, you know, my last like three months in comedy were, I mean, I, I, I loved the, I loved the, the craft and, and performing at that point uh more than i more than i ever had before which was which was always true because i because i hoped and you know i always felt like like i was always getting better you know every every six months or so which is pretty typical to comics Mm -hmm. um so uh no i i loved it i mean i didn't i didn't want to stop you know and Mm -hmm. and i and i could have kept getting spots i mean i don't know you know what quality spots are or how regular i i really don't know but um but I, I, you know, there were there were certain club bookers that that kept texting me, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, my, uh, even uh, Marco over at Eastville, he was texting me even like at probably a year after my last set. And dude, did you stop? And, and like for a while, I didn't want to admit it because part of me was like, you know, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. And there's still mm-hmm. that part of me actually. Really? Uh, yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> I, I like. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but <laughs> see, like, you know we connected at such like a different time. I was like, when I first started, I was like obsessed with like people like Jim Carrey and Robin Williams and Steve Martin. I used to have this Steve Martin VHS tape that I watched over and over. And I was very like big and animated. And I, and, and when I first moved to New York, I met our, our mutual friend, Ruben, who passed away a few years back, but right. he and I used to wander around and I was like, I was such a kid. I was like 20 years old yeah, and I'd I be remember. like, I was like singing and like making voices and doing all this stuff. And he's like, Oh, like, that's what you should do. So like at one point when we were doing open mics, I would just go on stage and I would try to just make noises and mime for like the full five to 10 minutes. Oh, wow. And then that turned into me doing this like avant-garde, like performance thing that like yeah. was working. And you know, when it hit, it hit, but when it missed, it was really bad because it was like yeah, yeah, comedy, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we all had bits like that. But it was like, that was the thing. It was this like really like one man show type thing. And uh, at one point I was like 21 and I, I hit this crossroads where I was like, I realized that I could make a change and do more of the New York comedy thing or what was kind of like the clubby thing and probably get work or I could go this much harder route and struggle and, but I took the easier route. And when I got to like the end, I was like, I don't feel satisfied artistically. Right. And I look back and I'm like, it's not necessarily a regret. I was, I always say it's more like the regret reminds me, to like pursue like honest expression now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think to myself now, where I'm like, I said to my wife, I was like, I don't know. I've been thinking about like going back and like doing it the way that I like, I doing wanted to do, thing. doing yeah, it the yeah, way yeah. that I wanted to, because like it, it, that was like a special time. And like, I don't know, as you get older, you start to really, for me, I'm like, I care less and less about like yeah. these other things. You know, and yeah. you're like, I just, yeah, hey, oh, I see how I can like do the thing that I really want to do. Yeah. So yeah. like there's, they, they like, and I guess during like the lockdown too, you get more time to like 
think exactly. about these things. things <laughs> like, oh yeah. Like, Oh, I see how that could be. I mean, I don't think, I don't think anybody, you know, along the, you know, on the spectrum of, of success in, in comedy, I don't think anybody, um, doesn't have regrets from their career. So, you know, you mentioned like Steve Barn and, and Rob Williams. Okay. Icons. Right. Right. And then, uh, and then not to be too self-deprecating, but maybe like there's you and I who it's like, Oh, people would just bail <laughs> on, the other, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, and, and bailed is only one letter different than fail, but well, let's say bail. <laughs> um, but let's say bail. Um, you know, but 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 I'll bet you know they. Uh, I mean, Rob Williams surely had his demons, of course, but uh, but I, I mean, I'm sure they had their regrets too. But mine were different. Um, I I think I, I I don't think it came across. I'd like to think it never came across in my in my personality. I'd like to obviously think that I always came across as as a nice person. But I think deep down, I think. Um, I think I, I think I wielded, especially after I had all that success on the black comedy circuit, I think I wielded around this like sense of entitlement that, mm -hmm. that things should, that things should just come to me. And then of course, when they did not, as they, as they shouldn't have, um, but I was, you know, an idiot in my mid twenties. Um, then, then I, then I felt very bitter and, and had a very, I didn't have enough fun with it on stage. I always did have fun with it, but, mm. but off stage, I didn't, you know, off stage, I was not, I was, I was, I was not as like, as, as fun, free spirited or, or even as extra extroverted as, as I really naturally am with like, with fellow comics. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that, that's probably, that's really probably my biggest regret. I mean, I mean, I went through, I went through my like growing phases on stage where it's like, Oh yeah. I remember those couple of years where I wasn't really doing, my true self or whatever here and there, but that's just growing pains. I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't regret those at all. Um, but, but more the more the attitude that, that probably for a full decade really, really weighed on me, I think, mm -hmm. and, and really held me back, you know? Well, that I do know though, that that experience created like one of your jokes that like, I always remember where you talked about having to get a job at like Starbucks or something yeah. after having been on TV. Yeah. And it, you had been on that show Boiling Points on MTV where it was like a hidden camera show. Yeah. I actually, we have a mutual friend through that. As a cast member. As yeah. a cast member. <laughs> yeah. We have a mutual friend through there who, who shot you on that show, Andrew. Oh, Andrew Goldstein. Uh, Andrew Lane. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there were a couple Andrews. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you, uh, <laughs> you said that after being on that show and the success and everything, but you like, you we weren't making the money and you needed, I think you said you needed healthcare. That's what it was. Yeah. You got the job at Starbucks, but someone comes in and recognizes you from Dude, the show. Multiple times. Yeah. And people thought they were on boiling points. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll always remember you saying, uh, people, <laughs> someone said to me, Oh my God, am I on MTV right now? And you said, no, you're on my life right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I just said, but that I was kind of, the, that was that kind of you expressing that feeling that you were talking about where you're like, Oh, like I've had this early success and now I'm like in this other place. Yeah. I like, I was very unhappy then. I mean, like, yeah, mm -hmm. like working, I had, you know, maybe once a week I had the opening shift at Starbucks where I had to be there at five 30 in the morning. You know, it's just yeah. like, I was like, what, what, what is, how is this happening? Yeah. You're like, how was I on like HBO and Showtime or whatever the shows were? And now I'm like yeah. working at Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that's but like, but like when you're in stand -up, like, you, you know that that is like a thing. 
I know. I wish, I wish somebody had told me that. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, like, yeah. If if someone had taken you aside and was just like, listen, before you go out there and we shoot this thing, just know you're probably going to have to work at McDonald's after this. Or even like, you know, or even like while I was on Starbucks, maybe, you know, if I had been, you know, and this is really getting into like kind of the regret story, but, um, but if I had been kind of more like open and, and vulnerable or, or friendly with, with veteran comics, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there would have been a veteran comic who's like, dude, like, that's okay. Like, you know, this is yeah. part of stand up, you know, yeah. but at the time it's like, I was 27. And, and I mean, in my mind, that's, that's a, that's still a, a very undeveloped brain, uh, even though biologically it is, but yeah, right. <laughs> but an undeveloped mind at least. And and uh, and all I knew is I was like, yo, I was on HBO and MTV and Showtime, all within three years mm-hmm. and of of starting comedy. And so, like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? How am I at Starbucks? You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> You're like, when when are they putting my star on the Hollywood like Walk of Fame? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but I do know that I, I I think it was probably like in the last year that I was seeing you regularly is when you started like studying Chinese medicine. Yeah, I was. In I think it was like what two thousand ten or eleven or something. Yeah, I was like I was like secretly living a double life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I remember you told me about it. I don't remember how it came up. What was it then that was like? Oh, like I'm a stand up comic. I'm from New York City. Like oh now I want to study Chinese medicine acupuncture all this stuff like what was kind of that influence I don't know I think I think I'm just a Gemini we get spread too thin we and mm-hmm. we're too impatient we're all over the place uh-huh. <laughs> um no I, that um no I I uh there was an ex-girlfriend actually who I was dating when I when I had all my success uh mm-hmm. on the on the tv shows and um actually we were dating before the so she was not a groupie but um Uh but um but she was studying Chinese medicine during our whole relationship and for me it was the furthest thing from my mind I was you know I was so into the comedy and and I was doing so well at that time and I was I was like I just thought it was cool I was like oh okay study Chinese medicine that's Mm -hmm. interesting I you know I didn't have an opinion about it yay or nay I was kind of agnostic about it right it was just Uh, like words yeah yeah, yeah, it was just was like, like, oh, that's awesome. the thing. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. cool. That's interesting. Um, but you know, we were in a we were in a long term relationship, so it got progressively more and more interesting to me. And you know, I like like ninety nine percent of the population had health issues of my own. And uh, then through uh, through some of the practitioners I was able to meet through her, they were they were able to help me with with some of the you know physiological ailments I was having. And so and so b- between art my experiences as a patient and then my dialogue with her, um, mm-hmm. which was, you know, obviously like, you know, every day or whatever, um, I became more and more like really fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and when I was somewhere around my, my seventh year in comedy, that was probably, that was, that was probably like the, the highest point of my frustration and, and the lowest point of my career, because it was going to be the first time that, um, since getting cast on MTV that I was going to need a day job. And mm. I couldn't really digest that. I, I, I couldn't really digest the idea of going back to like a nine to five job or going right. back to work. I, I was, you know, I, I was really spoiled. I was, I was mm. really entitled. And, and I know it's, it's such a cliche. I don't know if it's true. I, I've heard other comics say like, oh, that's success early in your career. Worst thing that ever happened to you or whatever, you know, um, not in a mean way, you know, like just, just kind of talking about it 
I, I don't, I don't know if that's true. I, you know, knowing myself, I may have had that impatient entitled attitude regardless of the, of the TV credits at, mm-hmm. at that time, the, the person mm-hmm. that I was. Um, well, I can say from a, knowing, I can say from knowing you that like, you never seemed impatient or entitled to people who were like interacting with you. Right. So, yeah. you know, you always seemed to me like somebody who was like, um, really like professional. I don't know how else to say it. Like you were just very, like, some people are like wild cards and they're like drunk at the club and like, you know, like the whole thing. Yeah. Um, That'd be me now. (laughs) (laughs) But you were just like, I don't know. You were just very like professional and respectful and like, you know, you weren't like, I don't know. You weren't like wild. You weren't like, like a, Right. thing you know you was like yeah. you showed up you did you, you to me it was like oh this person treats it like a job a job yeah, but it's yeah, but yeah. it's fun you know like they get up and do the thing but sure. it was like hey like i'm i do it when i when i get the light i get off in two minutes like i'm yes. polite to everybody you know, <laughs> say hi to the wait staff and like all right good night yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i know and and um i i mean i appreciate that that's 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 a compliment and i and i think that part of me was, uh, it was sincere. It was, it was organic. Um, but it also is like, it wasn't really like, it wasn't the full me. So like, right. you, like even, even the way you're, um, kind of like portraying my character, right. It's like, it's almost very, um, like you, you're paying me a compliment, but you're actually like almost showing, uh, you're, you're incidentally highlighting this sort of, uh mechanicalness to it this this like kind of mm. emotionally unavailableness to it and, and i don't think anybody you know none of my loved ones i don't think would, would call me emotionally unavailable but i think i was very emotionally unavailable on the comedy circuit i was so like right. i'm not here for friends which right. is a bad attitude you know right. and, and, and and not in an asshole way like you said i yeah. you know it was it was very i think i'd like to think like very natural for me to to be nice to everybody and like, you know, treat others, you know, the way you'd be treated and stuff like that. But, but, it, but, uh, but it's more natural for me to be much more friendly than that actually, right. you know? And so it was a little too sterile. I think my, my attitude, it was, right. it was not true to, you know, I, I think I, I, I would never, um, even if I was being my true self, I wouldn't be blowing the light and, and being drunk on stage. That is true. But, but right. I probably would have and should have had, had more fun on those evenings and stuff right. like that. Yeah. Right. But, but anyways, I, I, um, I needed a day job and, uh, and I was so fascinated by Chinese medicine and I couldn't reconcile getting a day job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, you know what? I can go to Chinese medical school. Mm-hmm. I can use student loan money to supplement my income. Mm-hmm. Um, from, from standup because I was making a little money off standup, supplement my income, like pay the rent. And this way, I mean, I, you know, I hate to admit it this way. I learned something fascinating. I'm not working in an office. And then if this doesn't work out, I also have something interesting to, to fall back on. And so right. I, I, so it, it seemed like a no brainer at the time. Cause I was like, learn, traditional Chinese medicine mm-hmm. or file papers. Like right. it, it was like a no brainer to me. It was like, right. I can learn traditional Chinese medicine during the day and yeah. do fucking three shows a night, like, yeah. you know, downtown. Like, yeah, yeah that's what I'm going to do. You know? Yeah. That's an amazing gig. That's actually, yeah. <laughs> that, that's the best situation. 
Yeah, so then, yeah, yeah. But then it it's was hard though. It was hard. I, I can imagine. I mean, being in school and trying to like, you know, work a, a, a night job basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So then, but then you finished Chinese medicine school and you didn't start practicing immediately. You started practicing with like um, clients or, or, or you had your own practice after you came back from LA. Yeah. Yeah. Because graduation from mm-hmm. Chinese medical school was my, like my bittersweet deadline because mm-hmm. my, so, you know, really storybook, like it, it was my final year of Chinese medical school that I finally started feeling like I belonged and, and I was good enough to succeed in the mainstream rooms because mm-hmm. it was, um, I had had, um, yeah, I, I had won uh, a festival. I had placed in the finals of, of like two others. Um, I had gotten passed into one or two other of the mainstream clubs. Like I was, you know, and, and, and a lot of peers were, were, were coming up to me and, and kind of acknowledging that progress, which, which we all know is, you know, really the best feeling and, and mm-hmm. the highest compliment. And, and so, so I really, you know, regained this, this, what I, what I'd like to think is this more mature version of, of that optimism and entitlement. It wasn't as much entitlement, but it was more of this mature, I, I hope mature optimism where it's like, okay, it's going to mm-hmm. happen. Like now something's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, so when it didn't, then I, I sort of decided, I was like, you know, if nothing happens by the time I graduate school, cause then I can't get any more student loans. Supplement- right. <laughs> so you're like, then I have to start working. So then I have to start practicing, but, right. and, but, and I, I didn't realize it, but maybe I knew, you know, um, maybe I had the foresight. I was like, you know, if I, if I start practicing, it's like, if you open it fucking you know clinic and you're managing a, a holistic medicine office and you're you're trying to learn this 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 complicated paradigm of medicine and you're seeing patients and doing billing you're not i mean you're not really grinding full-time as a comic yeah and so all my i, I had a lot of close friends in uh in chinese medical school and and i remember telling them all i said you know if if nothing happens, if, if I'm not making a living off comedy, like, you know, the yeah. day after graduation, like it's a one way ticket to LA, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I did it. I, I left all my friends and, you know, I left my, my license to have a real job. And I, yeah, I went waited tables for a few years and it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was, uh, not great. <laughs> and then, and then when you started practicing full time or part time, uh, was it your own practice or was it your, or, or were you working for like a collective or with a group right. or something? It was both. It was, it was full-time right away. I mean, because it was, um, well, really it was part and part. So part-time I was starting my own practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and part-time I had a job um, working at Bronx wellness center. So mm-hmm. there's like only, I mean, I guess, you know, they, they classify certain spa and massage places as wellness centers, but, but this is the only wellness center in the Bronx that was like a true sort of traditional Chinese medicine with acupuncture and, and herbal medicine and, you know, maybe like seven or eight treatment rooms. And, uh, and, and it was great. I was, I was super grateful for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would work there like three or four days a week. And then one or two days a week, I was doing my private practice. And then, Mm-hmm. you know, typical story, slowly, but surely my private practice grew until, until I left my job in the Bronx, but, but I was in the Bronx for, for about three years. I remember before, like, um, before you and I spoke, 
you know, I guess three months or four months ago, I had had acupuncture, you know, a couple times over the course of the few years, especially with training the way that I do is like, Oh, I'd be dealing with things. And like, sure. I'd get to like, you know, the end of my rope and I'd be like, well, what do I do? And someone be like, Oh, go get acupuncture. Yeah. Definitely not understanding like what was happening. Right? right. Then in the last two years, I really started like reading a lot more, like absorbing a lot of information. And I started just really, I don't know, respecting a lot of the things that were coming out of Eastern culture and, and, and older Eastern culture yeah. and, and realizing that the Western ideas is a lot of isolation and, and, and fragmenting things, kind of like let's put each thing into a box and highly define things. Right. Whereas the East had this idea um, of, of things being more holistic. There's an interconnectedness, there's a, a wholeness to it right. all, and not even just the human body, but as it exists in the world, in the universe, yeah. in the cosmos. And I really appreciate that and also got started thinking more about this collaboration between the 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 logical um linear ideas and the and the more holistic maybe even creative ideas and it made me really interested in this idea of of chinese medicine and then reading some people who said oh you know whenever i am in this part of the world i go and see a doctor in chinese medicine because that's the type of person who will ask me things that i don't get asked in Western medicine. No one asks, what have you been eating? Um, how do you sleep? Uh, let me see your tongue. Tell me right. about your poop or any of these things. You know what I mean? Everything yeah. is, is very much in kind of like, oh, it is exactly this part of your body. Here's the, the Band-Aid for that part. Um, yeah. So when you and I started talking, it was like, oh, like this is really connecting with something that I, I realize I've been interested in from on the periphery just from a, a, a general mindset place. Yeah. So hearing like kind of your approach, especially when we started talking about coronavirus and, and everything there, I, I, I was like digging it. And I also was digging your idea of like the collaboration as well, where you're, what you said, there was like, oh, there are Chinese medicine is not the only answer. Like it does, there can be this collaboration with like Western ideas and Western mindset. It's not dogmatic necessarily. Yeah. So can you explain a little bit more? Because I think there are people who have no idea who are like, oh, totally. like, I go to an Most. MD. Yeah. Right. And, and that is it, period. <laughs> can, you, can you explain Chinese medicine? Can you explain? <laughs> yeah. I How mean, much like, time do we have? Yeah. Or, or, you know, like, aside from whatever I said that made any sense or, or fit. Um, no, it did, yeah. And can you explain uh, acupuncture a little bit? Mm -hmm. And can you talk about how you practice in collaboration with Western medicine? Okay. Um, right. So, I mean, traditional Chinese medicine at its, you know, a, a lot of, I think a lot of skeptics, um, part of the reason for their skepticism is they view it as a, as almost the opposite of what it actually is. They view it as a new modality Mm -hmm. um, to treat aches and pains, uh, orthopedic aches and pains. Whereas, whereas Chinese medicine is actually, um, an incredibly ancient modality that, that was, that's great for treating aches and pains, but, but it was really a, a paradigm of medicine. It was, you know, if you, you know, there's, there's 
infinite uh, medical texts, um, ancient uh, medical texts and, and newer medical texts. Um, and, and only a very small chapter has anything to do with back or knee pain. Uh, you know, the majority of it has to do with, with internal diseases, internal medicine, um, everything ranging from digestive complaints to gynecology and, you know, neurological issues, basically everything. Um, so when, when people are like, well, well, what can acupuncture treat? Um, uh, you know, the, the answer in theory is, is almost everything. And it, it's not because like, we're the greatest. It's because the theory of it is holistic medicine. So every disease, no matter what it is, has a pattern. So we're not diagnosing based on symptoms. We're, we're diagnosing um, based on a pattern. So we can treat any disease. It's just a matter of um, how long the person has had it for, how severe it is. Uh, you know, I mean, acupuncture is, or Chinese herbal medicine is almost never going to treat stage two or three cancer, you know? Um, it, it's, it's not the place to go with, with a bullet wound or a severe stab wound, right? It's like, go to the hospital. Um, but, um, but, but, but the majority of illnesses, no matter what the illness it is, it, it has a pattern. And so that, that's, that's an important concept to, to understand, to understanding the medicine, right? Um, so pattern diagnoses are based on based on really two fundamental things is the climate of the body and the organ channels in the body. So the organ channels are, are, are not something that we can see with the human eye, but, but we can feel them. Um, we can define them either via like nerve pathways or places on the body where the most nitric oxide collects. Those are, those are usually at, uh, acupuncture points. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but everybody knows the organs, right? And so, you know, the kidneys, the, the liver, the stomach, uh, the lungs, these all have meridians, right? That, that run in different places throughout the body. And then, and, and they run through those organs, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of times they coincide with nerve pathways, um, but, but they don't always coincide, coincide with nerve pathways. And so, you know, you, you never, when you're explaining to lay people or Westerners, you never want to like sound too woo woo and say like, oh, it's, it's energy. Um, but it is energy, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, the, the chi as, as Chinese medicine calls it really, you know, really equates to this sort of, uh, this nitric oxide mechanism in the body and, and really our mitochondria, just, just mm -hmm. our energy, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so we know the body has energy, even though scientists cannot see it. So, so why shouldn't the body have also chi and channels, you know, right. Like, <laughs> right? Because it, and, would you agree that like, like the way that Westerners observe the body, like this is a, a rib, this is my heart, this is my spleen. Yeah. These, these definitions and these kind of like isolating of these things is, is, is new creating names for each one of those things in their own place. Right. And it's, you know, it's, and it's brilliant, but it, right. but it, but it, but it misses something usually in, in the way of, of treating chronic conditions. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, the, the, I mean, the Western medicine insight and, and technology and, and what they're able to do in certain respects is, is obviously brilliant, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and they can do things in, in emergency medicine. Um, obviously that, that Chinese medicine could never do, you know, um, but in, but in chronic conditions, um, in chronic conditions, Western medicine is, is very limited and it's because of their, 
kind of very uh yeah like like binary perspective on on the body i, I don't know if that's the perfect way of saying it but mm-hmm. um but but so in any given person it's like you want to see um okay well what are the affected organ channels right well what, mm-hmm. what is what is the pathology here this is is this a lung pathology is this mm-hmm. a pathology of the kidney channel is this a pathology of the stomach channel? Usually, it's more than one, right? Because one mm-hmm. one affects the other. Um, but um, but but it's not, you know, to Westerners it seems weird, right? Because five different people can come in with asthma, right? Mm-hmm. And they would get five totally different prescriptions because they can have five different patterns. So every asthma case is not necessarily a a lung pattern. Um, some a lot of asthma cases are are a stomach pattern or a kidney pattern, and yes, the lungs are affected obviously because they're they're experiencing asthma. But the lungs in many cases are might be the branch of the problem. They are not the root. They are not what's wrong. And right. so Western medicine, of course, always is going to address right at the lungs, and right. that's also part of the reason why a lot of the time, you know, certain people respond really well to Western mm-hmm. medicine. They're like, works for me, you know. Right. Um, now deep down, they're probably experiencing side effects that they're not yet aware of, but, but they're like, works for me. And then the other six or seven people are like, why is this not working? Or it used to work for me and now it's not working anymore. And the reason is because the lungs weren't that person's pattern. So maybe it gave them some temporary relief, but Mm -hmm. if the stomach or the kidneys or whatever it may be was never addressed, then Mm -hmm. they're only going to get temporary relief. And then, you know, five or seven or 11 years later, they're going to be like, oh, my, you know, the pump doesn't give me relief anymore. The steroids don't work. Why isn't this working? Because the lungs are never the problem. You know, they're just, they're just the, the, the branch of the, of the issue, you know? Right. And Um, that's like, that's the, then that's kind of the problem with like any sort of one size fits all protocol. Yeah, right? there's no like, one size for like you and and a lot I, of acupuncturists are guilty of it too. A lot right. of like hacky acupuncturists. Well, especially, I assume that like a good portion of that just comes from, frankly, having been like, I don't know what the best way to say it is, almost like socialized in a Western culture where like you are stuck into like looking at things in that, in that linear way that yep. you almost can't even break from like, yeah. let me look at something holistically three-dimensionally rather than in a straight line. Yeah. And right. it's also much harder. It takes a lot more time. <laughs> right. And then, and then we're also socialized into like, I don't even know if that's, I don't know if that's the right word, but we're, we're brought up in a way where we're thinking like about addressing symptoms rather than addressing right. yeah. what's happening really at the beginning. Right. Yeah. And it's not to dismiss symptoms and it's not to say that it's not that Chinese medicine doesn't acknowledge disease labels. You know, it's like, hyperthyroidism um, exists, right? Asthma exists. These, these are all, um, you know, all, all these different uh, um, female, uh, like gynecological diseases, like, you know, PCOS, these are all real things. Um, mm-hmm. But but in some sense, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean like, you know, they come in, it's good to know what their, what their biomedical diagnosis is. It's informative. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, you telling me you have PCOS, there's no such acupuncture point for PCOS. There's no such herbal formula for PCOS, you right. know, and anybody, any herbalist that, that tells you otherwise or gives you a formula that says like PCOS formula, it's like, that's a bullshit formula. Um, right. because it's, it's, it's proclaiming a, a kind of a, yeah, like you said, it's proclaiming this, this one-to-one, uh, correlation, but Right. But yeah, because you can, because you can, you, cause you can address symptoms. Like I remember like there's a commercial that's on constantly now where it's like, some sort of thing with like blood pressure medicine or something. And it's like, you know, 
some person eating a donut and they're like, oh, see, you can eat your thing because you took the pill and your number went down. <laughs> so it's like you're addressing the symptom of the measurable number. Yeah. You're not addressing necessarily really what's happening inside of your, your structure that's oh, causing, causing that number. Yeah. And you're usually making it worse with the medication because I mean, medication, whoever creates each pharmaceutical is, uh, you know, arguably a genius. I mean, the, the, the chemistry awareness it takes to, to create those pharmaceuticals is, I mean, these people are, are very educated, very intelligent, but the, the, the motive, the, you know, their, their motive and the paradigm within which they're, they're operating, unfortunately is, is quite moronic. <laughs> right. right. Well, I mean, like, well, that's why it's like, you know, as they do the commercial and, you know, again, like being comics, like this is like standard, but like, you know, at the end of the commercial, they're reading off like the list of like potentially side harmful effects. side effects. Right, right, so like, oh, like right. this is going to help you with your migraine, but it might make you die or crap your pants. Yeah. You know? And you're yeah, like, well, like, yeah. well, what does that mean? You know? <laughs> so when I, when I contacted you the second time, mm. it was because I had, done this project i think i told you about it where i was like out in the yard hacking away making my wood ball with the hatchet and while oh. i was out there for eight hours was i was bit by a tick right yeah. and i know that lime is a very like polarizing subject so i'm not too interested in necessarily getting into the lime part of the whole thing sure, um, sure. but i i immediately went to the doctor the the urgent care because up in this area as you know in, in westchester county like people are bit by ticks constantly. Yeah. Super regular event. So I show up at the urgent care. I, we found, we I probably went a day or two after I had been bitten. I was on, it was on my butt and I had this huge, huge bruise and I go in and immediately the doctor super calm is just like, Oh, Hey, I'm pretty sure you got bit by a tick. Yeah. I'm going to treat you for Lyme. I'm going to give you an antibiotic. Yeah. Again, like I've, my mind is kind of swayed more into this realm of like, Oh, I don't want to be taking these kinds of things unless it's like right. fire. So I get home and I have the medication. I haven't taken it yet. I think I shot you a message like pretty much like right when I got it, because I'm curious, yeah. I'm like, Oh, well, like what does Chinese medicine say about this kind of situation? And you got back to me pretty quick and you were like, Hey, like if you caught it fast in like the first day, hundred percent take the antibiotic because yeah. that, that is the perfect time, you know, like it'll address the thing. Um, but as we go along here, like we'll stay in touch and we'll address what's happening um, with like your, your, your gut and your, the probiotics and all these things as we get closer to the end. And also just trying to kind of check in on if the, the, any other symptoms of Lyme <laughs> would come up. But along the right. way, I kind of, I sent you a photo of the bite, but then you also asked for me to send you a photo of my tongue, the, the top and the bottom. Right. And then at the end, you, after, I think it was after I got off the antibiotic, you, you prescribed a couple herbs for me. And that's what I was mm -hmm. drinking here in the beginning. I, I had the, the tea that you prescribed. Um, can you explain what you were looking at, looking for and thinking about when it came to like, just the, the, the prognosis or philosophy of what you were seeing throughout like that, that little process with, with our interaction. Um, well, definitely wanted to make sure you weren't experiencing any of like the typical Lyme symptoms. And, and I figured as quickly as you caught it, 
mm-hmm. um, and having taken the antibiotics that um, that that um, that that and 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 because you're you know you're in fundamentally good health that you wouldn't be experiencing any 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 typical Lyme symptoms or or, or severe Lyme symptoms. So we wanted to like you know, rule that out right away. But, um, but, but antibiotics are great. Um, the problem in the West is that they're given usually too willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually given too long durations. They're giving to kids, you know, uh, too young for long, too long durations. And they're also in way too much animal protein. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but antibiotics in, in a vacuum are, are, a, are a great thing, you know, and, right. cause one of the, one of the, cause one of the things you said to me when we, when I got on it, you were like, Hey, listen, I think I told you I hadn't taken an antibiotic in like eight or nine years or something. And you were like, listen, good. <laughs> two, two weeks is not going to not do anything, but like, you're going to be fine. Yeah. It's not like your microbiome is going to like come crashing down. No, I mean, it, it could if you, mm-hmm. if you weren't healthy. I mean, it, yeah. it, crashing down is severe, but like it, it could too, like antibiotics can definitely, uh, you know, it can definitely hurt the gut. I mean, people who take too many rounds of antibiotics are definitely known to get like leaky gut syndrome for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody sort of, most people in our society have it to some degree or have at least had it if, and maybe then corrected it. But, um, but uh, no, we knew it'd be like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, no pun intended, but we knew it'd be like a shot to the gut, yeah. um, two weeks of antibiotics, but well worth it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and knowing that it, that it's something you could, you could bounce back from and, and and there's a lot of antibiotics in in Chinese herbal medicine, right? Mm-hmm. But um, but they're uh, but but they have a certain uh, quality that is considered very uh, cold, and that's mm-hmm. that's why it affects the stomach adversely. And so that's true for Western med- Western antibiotics too, and that that's why it kind of adversely affects the stomach. But um, mm-hmm. but but you know even people who are like against medication, you know myself included. For for short term resolution of severe conditions, it's uh, mm-hmm. that's where, you know, that's where Western medicine, like that's where they excel. You know, right. that, that's where they're good. And that's yeah. what you kind of said. You were like, oh, like if you if this was a month down the road and you had caught it late, you were like, I would reconsider or, or think about something else. But because it was so soon yeah. after, it was like, this is it. Do it. Yeah, so they're then, great for acute. Yeah. So then you were like, you know, I want to, you know, show me what, like when you, when I sent you the photos of my tongue, for instance, what were some of the things that you were looking at the top and the bottom? Yeah. Cause you mentioned it in the, in the text, but like, what were some of the things? Cause you made some observations too, that were things that like, I would have never have thought someone would know just by looking at my tongue. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I get to like, look like the ancient wise Chinese healer. Yeah, exactly. Like I should, I should have my yeah. beard. And- <laughs> I, assu- I assumed when you were texting me back, you were levitating. <laughs> where guy is eating a bowl of rice with chopsticks and sitting on a pillow like oh i see that you fell off your bike when you were 13 years old exactly (laughs) exactly um no uh so the tongue is is the only muscle in the body that we can see right so Uh so in chinese medicine they we it's really important to know the climate of the body and uh, so you can tell some something about the climate of the body by by looking at any given muscle in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people's muscles or or tongue uh, is very sort of swollen and flabby and fatty, and mm-hmm. it indicates a lot of fluid retention. And so, a lot of obese people and and really overweight people have very fat tongues to 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 match their their overweight body. Is that um, is that why can, they often have um, what is that uh, what's it called? Um, like sleep apnea. Yeah. So the sleep apnea is like a, it's a good example. It's like this, um, 
this fluid retention, this excessive fluid retention that has been created in the gut. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't just there, you know, nobody's going to be like pooping all day or, or, or peeing all day. So you're not, you know, it's, it's not realistic. It's not physiologically realistic. So mm-hmm. some of that excess fluid um, retention, some of that, um, you know, kind of pathogenic dysbiosis in the gut gets sent upwards. Mm-hmm. And so that's why a lot of overweight people have, have sleep apnea. A lot of overweight people have, have asthma. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a much higher mortality rate of overweight people with, with coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, because from a Chinese medical perspective, it is this horrifically stubborn, um, quote unquote, damp phlegm, which, mm-hmm. which really is just fluid retention, this horrifically stubborn fluid retention that gets lodged deep in the lungs, deep in the tissues around the lungs. That's why people can't breathe. Mm-hmm. It's not because their lungs are weak that mm-hmm. they can't breathe. It's because their lungs are encumbered by all this shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's not to, you know, disrespect the dead or, or, or criminalize anybody. Cause, cause a lot of, a lot of times it's just unfortunate Western ignorance, you know, it's well, no, it, society people, we live people, in. people can only do the, the, the best with the information they have <laughs> that they have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. cultural. So I, I, so, messaged, I, I messaged you, I guess you wanted to see my tongue. I think it was two days before. Right. Right. I think, yeah. The first time I sent you the photo of my tongue, you wanted to see it like two days before I finished the antibiotics or somewhere around there. Right. Right. What, when, and, and what did you see and, and what was like kind of your idea around what you saw? So um, I guess the first thing, if I remember that jumped out at me that time when I was looking at your tongue is, so we want the tongue to be perfectly harmonious, like yin mm-hmm. and yang, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you don't want the tongue to be too red or yeah. too pale. Mm-hmm. If it's very pale, it might indicate anemia or, or this like kind of cold pattern, right? Mm-hmm. If it's too red, if it's blazing red, it indicates like too much heat, too much mm-hmm. inflammation, too much of this hot infl- systemic inflammation in the body, right? You don't want the, the tongue to be too moist, like really wet with like a, like a thick coating um, because it usually indicates that same thing, too much fluid retention. But you mm-hmm. do want a little bit of a thin coating because a, mm-hmm. a healthy thin coating that is moist, but not too moist. Uh, it's like cooking a steak, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like moist, but, but not too moist, um, is, is actually like, you know, I, I mean the first, you know, the first stage of the, of the gastrointestinal tract is obviously the mouth. And so we think of it as a one way street, but really it's a two way street. And so a lot of the, uh, the bacteria, healthy and unhealthy bacteria comes up through the gut also and expresses itself on the tongue. Right. So, so a lot of times when people have that like thick yellow coating or, or a very thick dry coating, this is unhealthy bacteria expressing itself on the tongue from the gastrointestinal pathway. Right. Whereas, um, whereas if it's like a nice thin sort of moist coat, um, it's like, Oh, this is very healthy bacteria on on this person's tongue coating. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're looking at the size, we're looking at the moisture, we're looking at the color, the, the nature of the coating, um, at that time, you didn't really have much of a coating, right? And it's probably because your stomach had been impaired partially by the antibiotics, um, and then then partially by the um, partially by par- par- partially by the Lyme, just fighting it off, you know, mm-hmm. because the immune system begins in the stomach, and even a lot of biomedical doctors, more open-minded ones, are now acknowledging that. So mm-hmm. so your immune system worked like it did its thing, you know, mm-hmm. but but it it took a hit, like it got a little you know tired. And so you didn't have as much of a coating. And so these are things I observed to the acute situation. 
Um, but you know, you can sometimes see things on the tongue that are, that are more chronic that are like, okay, this didn't just happen this week. And so in the front of your tongue, which is, uh, you know, uh, the tip, the front part, not the back, uh, it corresponds to the upper part of the body. So, so the, so the, the front of muscles corresponds to the, the, the nature, the, the quality of the lungs and the heart or the, or the operating quality of the lungs and the heart. Right. And so you have these two, so they weren't terrible. And I'm not just saying that they're, they're subtle, but you have these two vertical cracks, um, in, in the lung section of the tongue. And so that might indicate this, what Chinese medicine calls like a constitutional lung yin mm -hmm. insufficiency. And mm -hmm. so, so what does that mean? It's like, so constitutional is genetic. Uh, lungs obviously means the lung meridian is affected. The yin insufficiency, right? So every organ channel has like, it's kind of yin and yang, right? And, and the yin aspect of every organ channel is kind of its, its ability to sort of, of lubricate its, mm -hmm. its ability to sort of um, nourish and, and, and maintain moisture. And, and then the yang of, of every channel might correspond more closely with, with like the nitric oxide that we were talking about before, the, the mitochondria, like the energy of every channel, right? Mm -hmm. And so if a particular organ is, is, is insufficient in its yang, um, the person is usually very weak and, and cold and, and wet and because mm -hmm. they can't metabolize fluids, you know, they, they don't have that fire of, of the yang energy, the, the mitochondria, right? Um, but if somebody is insufficient in the yin, um, they're, they're usually thin and, and shriveled up and dry and, and you know, they, they lack that healthy moisture. Mm -hmm. um, now your presentation, if we look at you, mm -hmm. you're not lung yin deficient. You know, the, the lung yin deficient person is like your archetypical you know, 70 year old cigarette smokers been smoking cigarettes their whole life. And they, they talk like this because their throat is like, you know, dry forever. And, right. and they're all withered up. And you know, they weigh 110 pounds. Um, that person usually has has no lung yin, basically. Mm -hmm. um, yours, you know, it's probably a testament to your own self care and your good health that you had that that's there. It's like mm -hmm. that vulnerability exists there. Um, and so that, that genetic vulnerability exists there, but you haven't had to experience the, the ramifications just like, yeah, a lot of people have conditions and then they take great care of themselves and, and the condition kind of just resolves, you know, mm -hmm. or, or at least it goes latent, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, so that's why I asked you, I was like, dude, did you ever have asthma or allergies? And you're, you know, you said, no, nah, no asthma, you know, maybe you had some seasonal allergies or something. And, yeah. um, and I was like, did you smoke? And, and you said, no, I didn't smoke. It's like, oh, okay. I'm a you know, I'm a charlatan. Like, well, right. what is this? What right. is this bullshit? Right. And then uh, I was like, what about your mom? And you're like, yeah, my mom smoked in the house my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Well, there it is. So that explains it, right? Especially mm -hmm. when we're, we're children and, and we're, we're most vulnerable. Like, yeah, secondhand smoke for a child for that long is definitely going to consume the yin of the lungs. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's not to make you angry your mom. I mean, everybody, all of our parents fucked us up in, in, in one way or another, you right. know? Well, again, best, they're doing the best of the information they have. Exactly. And then you looked at the underside yeah. of the tongue and you were pointing out like the purple. Yeah, the there bottom. is a lot of blood stagnation. So we look under the tongue. Usually, it gets a little bit more in depth, but for the most part, we're looking to see if there's um, swollen purple veins under the tongue. That Those should not be there. So, and, that, um, and, that's, and you did notice that about mine because I noticed it too when, you, when, when I sent you the photo. Right. And, and then the on the second like, photo that corrected, is that... It's, it, didn't that, it did, it kinda, it, it, yeah it was better yeah it was better it was yeah. better 
yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but you right, thought, so that, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. What were you going to say? Um, I forget if you said that you thought that that was just something that went, was going to go away after the antibiotics wrapped right. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because sometimes there's a diagnosis in Chinese medicine called blood stasis, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, any uh, any of your uh, female listeners who's ever had abdominal cramps on the on the first day of their period or or the day right before their period has experienced this. This is like prototypical blood stasis, right? The blood is waiting to move, right? And mm-hmm. the, the menstrual cycle has not yet started. Um, and so it's waiting to move and, and it just, it can't move yet, you know? And so there's just like this pain in the abdomen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually the blood stasis oftentimes is not the root cause of the problem. And so a lot of times like, you know, a bad doctor or a, or a bad herbalist, they'll just try to like move the blood. But the mm-hmm. thing is like what, and that's, you know, my first year out of Chinese medical school, that's probably what I would have wanted to do. You know, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lifelong study, you know, like comedy. <laughs> right. um, but so then we learn that it's like, well, what is obstructing the blood? Did this person get punched in their stomach? No, this girl didn't get punched in her stomach. She's just having her period. Like she's just waiting for her period to arrive. So she shouldn't have blood stasis if she doesn't have a black and blue mark right there from getting, you know, punched or, or falling. Mm-hmm. So what's there? What's there is 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 dysbiosis in the gut, is is mm-hmm. all these unhealthy bacteria that are blocking the pathways to the uterus, blocking mm-hmm. the pathways like, you know, to the reproductive organs. Um, and that's why the blood like has like nowhere to go and it's just like fuck, you know. And mm-hmm. so in your case, uh, obviously, you know, blood stasis exists in men also. It's just easier to talk about, e- easier to use the menstrual cycle as, as an example. But in your case, you know, uh, we, we've all had blood stasis. But, um, but looking at it, it was like, I didn't want to give you an herbal formula that, you know, promotes blood circulation. Because I was like, you know, he probably just said there's probably just a bunch of inflammation that's actually just blocking the blood movement. So first let's see if it, it resolves because you're better off you're safer in the in the modern world as as, a, as an herbalist to err on the side of let's get rid of the inflammation let's get rid of the excess fluid retention and mm-hmm. see what else clears out you know mm-hmm. see, see how see how the person feels after right. that so right. so there's a lot of there's uh so there's a lot of trial and error you know you, you hope obviously as a practitioner uh, that there's not too much trial and error because you don't want to make people spend too much money. And, but, but there's always some like trial and error, you know? Well, I'm happy to hear you admit that because I think some people, a lot of people, I would also say this is probably a Western thing, lack yeah. humility. Right. Yeah. And the well, willingness, especially doctors, yeah. right, the willingness <laughs> to say, I don't know, or let's try, or I'm not sure, whatever the things. Yeah. So I, I, I appreciate that where it's like, Hey, like, I don't know. Let's, we need to see a little bit more. We need to like, you know, yeah. I, I like what I like. I like hearing people say, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know? well, I my, think I, I trust mean, the person who says, I don't know more than the person who says, I know what this is. Yeah. 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 Well, um, you know, my, my wife, I think I told you is, is an MD and um, a couple of years ago she left Western medicine to, to practice integrative medicine. But, uh, but she is, uh, I'm, I'm biased of course, but she's obviously, a, I, I think she's a very, you know, humble and, and sweet person. And, and that was always one of her biggest issues with, with the, uh, with Western medical colleagues is also, yeah, that sort of arrogance, which is, which is terribly ironic for, you know, for, for Western 
you know, uh, medicine to, to wield this arrogance when, when we're so horrifically diseased. It's like, <laughs> hey, well, it's listen, like if you had it all figured out, then yeah. we wouldn't be so sick. You know? <laughs> I forget who it was, but one of my teachers, uh, someone I studied with, said is like, hey, listen, if something has been around for thousands of years, it's worth exploring. Right. Right? Like if some, like whatever, if Soul Cycle makes it 2,000 years, people 2003 years down the road should really look into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, well, I think there's this, I think there's this misconception that it's like, you know, that it's archaic, that it's outdated, that, that somehow modern medicine is an updated development of that archaic system. When, mm-hmm. when in actuality, it's really just apples and oranges. Mm-hmm. And that that's even not meant as a diss or an insult to Western medicine. It's apples and oranges. This is not, you know, the, conventional medicine what what we're used to is not um in our society it's not this like development from you know from the 2000 years ago paradigm of of chinese medicine it's something totally new and different and totally fascinating but i think uh, i think that's it's hard because like as we're talking about it i feel like almost me even more than you is, is almost doing like people need to like hear you know more east than west and i don't mean it to sound this way because it's not binary, it's not this or. I think I just feel like there should be more of the mindset of this and. Yeah, I mean, you this know, and it's like I, I'm trying to be. I, I always want to be diplomatic, and I don't want to uh, risk losing my license. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but I, but obviously, I'm not giving any. You know, none, none of this is direct health advice to any any of our listeners. But um, but um. No, I mean, more often than not for chronic conditions, uh, Western medicine is a, is a very dangerous route. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, it should be, it should be a, a last resort. It's, it should be the opposite. I think I wrote a joke on Instagram once that like mm-hmm. going to, you know, going to the doctor with a chronic condition mm-hmm. is, is like going to an acupuncturist with a bullet wound, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, I, yeah, I, I, my stepdad had a stroke right and i mean he's that's one of my specialties now actually oh really yeah yeah that's my my most recent mentor uh clayton chu his mm-hmm. that's his specialty is is stroke rehab and so I, I studied under him for quite a while well i i i mean he was you know he's overweight like big red nose you know like yeah it was you could see it coming Afterward, you know, my mom and I are on the phone and I'm just like, hey, like, I think you both need to really just be rethinking about rethinking what you're eating. Let's, you know, like this is like medicine you take once a day or once a week or whenever for people who are dealing with some of these things. But I'm like, you're eating three times a day. That's going to into your body regularly. So let's maybe think about that. And I was like, here's some literature on eating more clean. I probably sent some stuff, you know, about something paleo-ish. And they start talking about their friend who's a doctor who lives near them. And, you know, my mom started talking about either probably cooking with like avocado oil or coconut oil and things like that. And it was like, (laughs) Dr. So-and-so is not a big fan of that, you know? (laughs) And was like promoting like some sort of like heart healthy diet that was like, you know, you know, whole wheat bread and brown rice and these things and you know she's like well what should what should we be drinking i was like water drink water (laughs) and she was like oh well you know dr so-and-so was saying that i should be drinking 
or he should be drinking something like Gatorade because it has electrolytes. I was like, you need to fire this doctor. Oh, like, man. you know, it's like that sugar yeah. water, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I realized I was like, no matter what I say, it's not the same as when it comes from someone who has an MD at the end of their name. Yeah. And, you know, fast forward, you know, this doctor ended up having his own health issues, you know? Sure. And I'm like, listen, like, I don't know. I, I can't speak to all these things, but like, I do believe in like practicing what you preach and leading from the front, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and this is an important quality here. And, you know, it, it, it speaks a little bit to this thing, you know, there's not as much of this, like really paying attention to like the, the whole situation. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, I mean, obviously every, everybody gets sick. Right. So it's like, I, I know this one, uh, there's this one, um, teacher I had, her name is Helen Zhang and she's a really famous, um, acupuncturist in the, in the hospitals in China. And, um, and, and she teaches in New York as well. And, um, you know, and, and, uh, I, you know, <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have named her by name, but, but, you know, she had, she had some issues with her health and, and, um, and it was, it was kind of, it was kind of well-known, but, but, you know, there's, there, there are in fairness, obviously there are so many factors, whether it's like, you know, stress and emotional factors and genetic yeah. factors. And so, so every doctor, right. Is that, you know, whether they are an Eastern doctor or Western doctor, we're, we're, we're all going to get sick, of course. But, um, but, um, but yeah, the idea of, of prescribing Gatorade and, and that that being uh, that being the best way to get electrolytes, it you know it, it reminds me of of when people um, tell older women with osteoporosis like you're low on vitamin C and you really should drink more whole milk, and uh, you know meanwhile you know dairy can be very and I I like dairy but but it can be very inflammatory. Uh, and like every leafy green has a ton of vitamin C. <laughs> it's right. like, why does it have to be whole milk? Like why do like why get electrolytes from Gatorade? You know, electrolytes oh. existed in nature before Gatorade. <laughs> right, right. We made it very far without a lot of those things. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Ryan, the, the sugar talk we could go crazy on too. Um, I want to know then. At, so after you and I powwowed. You saw the tongue. Then after a couple of days after the medication, you looked at my tongue again, saw some changes. And then you prescribed some herbs to me and it was yeah. online and I was able to go on and pay and it sent it directly to me. You were like yeah. super convenient. You like got my address. So it was all set up. All I had to do was like go on there and like put in my credit card and they sent it to me. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And I was going to, I was going to ask you, I was going to text you and be like, Oh, like, what is this? But then I know I knew we were going to be talking here. And I really right. thought that an interesting way to kind of like convey a little bit of like what a process with, with a Chinese medicine practitioner might look like is like this interaction. So right. like, let's save it for here. So cool. you told me to just mix it a certain way, drink it like a tea twice a day. Right. Cause it's what a powder and yeah. Right. So what were the herbs and what did you see at that point that made you think these are the herbs that this person should have? Right. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll show, I'll, I'll reveal my hand. I'll, I'll show all my cards and, mm -hmm. and be really transparent. It's, um, 
you know, some, sometimes, um, sometimes prescriptions can be really simple, you know? Mm -hmm. And so at the time I remember you were having a little bit of constipation, probably mm -hmm. residual, mm -hmm. um, from the antibiotics and, and, or from the line. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we, so we do think in terms of the symptoms, not because we're prescribing for the symptom where we're ultimately looking at the pattern. Um, but we're looking at the pattern with the symptom in mind where it's like, okay, we have to get this person to, to poop regular. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, because if they don't, then there's going to be all this like negative gut bacteria that that's going to, that's going to creep up. And, and then there's the, the negative domino effect from, from constipation, from not pooping and all the inflammation that ensues. So we know that has to happen, but then like, what's their pattern. Right. So they mm -hmm. just, so there are two formulas, right. And so one of them is called uh, Sanrentang in Chinese, and it's called the, I think, and I don't even know all the English names always, but because um, we've really learned them in Chinese, but, uh, but I believe it's a three nut decoction because it's basically like uh, the three main herbs are, are nuts, are, are mm. based on, uh, one is a, like, it's a persique nut, and another is like, it's uh, the Latin of it is like uh, a momi rotundus. Uh, and it's just these, uh, these nut herbs, basically, you know, just like pumpkin seeds would be or, or something like that. Um, but, but a medicinal quality of these nuts. And, and, and the main purpose of that is really to kind of get rid of any, it's, it's really to get rid of any of like that pathogenic inflammation in the stomach, mm -hmm. really to, to protect the lungs and the stomach. So there's a microbiome in our gut and there's a microbiome that's the respiratory microbiome. And so that formula, the, the kind of three nut decoction, right. Um, kind of it, it's focused, like just like Western medicine can like kind of chase down the problem in the body. So Chinese herbs works the same way. Um, and so its focus is really the respiratory and gastrointestinal microbiome and mm -hmm. this sort of inflammation that was left there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so my thinking was like, okay, this dysbiosis there, this is what's creating the purple veins under the tongue. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's also, it also happens to be a very timely formula. It's a great formula to take in the summertime, mm -hmm. um, because it's a bit cooling. It's a bit drying. It tends to make the person pee a lot and get mm -hmm. rid of a lot of the humidity, the internal humidity that gets created in our body in the summertime, right? Mm -hmm. So so that was that. And so the other formula is uh, called Shao Chai Hutang, which is, um, it's uh, the, the, the name of it is based on the primary ingredient is bupurium. Mm -hmm. uh, bupurium is a very, very, very popular herb in Chinese medicine. There's also ginseng in that formula. Mm -hmm. um, and the, what bupurium is able to do is really kind of like, it goes as an herb in the body, it goes like up and out. And so it has this kind of venting. Um, it can in the proper dosage, uh, have this kind of venting effect, um, to get rid of whatever, you know, whatever residual pathogens are in there that, that, you know, whether or not the, the antibiotics miss them, um, anything like anything that may have been lingering around the bupurium will get that out. But then in the meantime, that formula also can Oh, I lost you sound-wise there. <laughs> <laughs> did your headphones die? Did your Sorry. headphones did your headphones die? Okay. That's right. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. 
Can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did your headphones die? Oh, wait. Why is it like it's kind of low for me? Oh, there it goes. <laughs> right. can, you hear, can you hear me now? Yeah. Did your headphones uh, die? Is that what happened? All right, man. All right. Let me set the fan off real quick. Okay. Uh, so, um, so the, yeah, the other ingredient there was, uh, is ginseng. And, uh, so ginseng it's, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not, uh, brilliant enough to, to design these formulas, right? These are designed by like the ancient masters. Right. And so it's not like in these perfect dosages, right. People walking around want to take ginseng to like get more energy, um, can be a really bad idea. It doesn't really fit their, their pattern. Mm -hmm. Uh, actually going to heat them up too much like they'll maybe feel great for two days or eight days but but in the long run it can cause a lot of damage just like you know the wrong medication can but in that formula in the context of it as the buplurium kind of like goes out and, and kind of vents you know whatever lingering pathogens are are in the kind of exterior of the body like in you know in the uh you know uh being circled around by the white blood cells. In the meantime, the ginseng will protect the stomach and rebuild it and make it stronger. And it's in the right dosage that, it, that it's not going to create any problems. In fact, it's just going to protect the foundation while the rest of the herbs kind of do all this like draining and venting and peeing and pooping. But then the ginseng is in there kind of very, um, you know, brilliantly, it's in there just to like hold the center and, and protect the protect the stomach, and all and, and also probably help to to hopefully heal a little bit from the from the antibiotics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I pooped finally, you know, Good. but I mean, <laughs> but I I and that was like the most noticeable thing, um, and I and I realized like you know anything else it's like you know when i'm not able to like put a microscope in there like i'm i don't know i can just go based on like how i feel yeah and the tongue because yeah. you know they'll send me the picture of the tongue again like after yeah. this or tomorrow or whatever so 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 it's like you know i have this whole folder in my computer it's all tongues nice so like they'll send me their tongue and it's like it's like oh it's it's joe on on june 14th I'm like oh here's joe on june 20th or whatever and, and mm -hmm. uh you know, and so it's like, okay, did it get better? Did it get worse? And it's tricky, you know, sometimes, like I said, it's, there, there is trial and error sometimes, especially with, with long standing conditions. I mean, people come in with like an autoimmune disease of that, that they've had for, for their whole life or, or, you know, 20 years. And it's like, the tongue is only going to change so dramatically right away. You know? Well, I so, think it, it, the, another like Western mindset is just this idea of like, fixing versus healing, right? Like people get like used to like taking their car to a shop and it's like, it's fixed, right? right. right. Where healing is a different process. It's more holistic and it takes longer. It does, which is another reason why it's like relatively disagreeable with, with most of Western society, right? Yeah, and people, people are like, oh, take me to the top of Everest. Like fly me to the top. I don't really feel like hiking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I've had, I've had, <laughs> I've had like, you know, I've had old men come back after like one acupuncture treatment, like their first ever acupuncture treatment before. And every once in a while, you'll have like, you know, kind of an old white man come back like, well, it's not better. And right. I'm like, we didn't do surgery. <laughs> right. right. We didn't move something. <laughs> right. Right. We're trying to gradually get through this brick rock of inflammation that is in your back. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, these, and they, and it just like the stuff. 
when your body is healing, legitimately healing, it takes time. It does. You know? I like, yeah. um, yeah, it was over a year now, maybe a year and a half ago in jujitsu. I don't know. I probably tore something in my wrist, but it was like, I didn't lose mobility. I could like move my wrist, but like it was injured for real. Yeah. Um, but I was like, Oh, like I beat up my wrists and my fingers and my knees and my ankles and these things happen, but it's just like, okay, well let's just find the place where I can work around it. Right. And like find like where I can kind of play and where it's not playful. And over time, like it went away, but I kept moving it. I didn't like immobilize it. Yeah. Um, And, but to this day, there's still some things around it that are like being worked out. Yeah. But I would rather it heal on its own and let my body address it, address it holistically rather than being like, you know, going in and being like, Hey, fix this thing because there are side effects of that kind of fixing. Yeah. And sometimes, and sometimes it's worth it and sometimes it isn't, but I just know that like over the years, the bar for surgery has been lowered and lowered and lowered and lowered. Like I forget where I read it, but like originally the bar for surgery was so high. It was like, it's only for the battlefield and it's only for when someone's lost a leg or their guts are hanging out. Yeah. And then the bar got a little lower and it's like, well, you know, we can do this too. And then it got a little lower, you know, because we can make money on it and then lower and lower and lower. And now we're like, Hey, we're going to make you whatever you want, you know, like surgery it up. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's definitely good to address all injuries as, as soon as possible to, to prevent them lingering or to prevent any like lingering, um, inflammation for sure. Um, so maybe we should treat the wrist. <laughs> prevent future arthritis um but um but uh but but it but there's so many ways to address it you know other than obviously invasive surgery um you know even like there's there's you know all these do's and and osteopaths and and chiropractors all you know all these all these practitioners who who do things that that i'm not educated in but um Mm -hmm. But uh, but there's so many great ways to to dress our address our our orthopedic ailments, including acupuncture. Um, before go, again, like that, you know, surgery is is so dramatic and and so risky, um, or or can be. Um, so yeah, in in my opinion, and and one of my best friends actually is an orthopedic surgeon, but but in my opinion, it it should be a last resort. Yeah, and, and I I think he would echo that sentiment actually. Well, I know that there's like, you know, just different schools and better, different thinking, you know what I mean? Like, for instance, we had a guy taking class with us. He tore his bicep, not in class. He was, he had like a crazy accident at a kid's birthday party, tore his bicep, right? But his business partner also tore his bicep, not right around the same time. They went to the same surgeon's office, but one got one surgeon and the other, and he got a different surgeon. They got the same PT though. They came out, they had had the same bicep surgery. One of them, his partner was put in like the brace where he couldn't move his arm at all. And then my student was put in like a sling and they said, Hey, like, you know, pop the sling off, let gravity kind of move it around a little bit and like, let it, let it be whatever it needs to be, but just don't force anything. Mm-hmm. And the P, she, he meets with the PT. They're both going to the same PT. And the PT is like, hey, like, you know, your business partner's here too. And I know he's, I see he's got a different situation. It's like locked right. up here. 
And she was just like, oh, it's kind of interesting to see, you know, two different surgeons in their mindset about approaching something like this, where one surgeon like understands the, the value of movement. And the other one is just like, I just don't want you to feel pain. Let's slowly like do this. Obviously there are probably a lot of other things going on, Yeah. but just the idea that like one surgeon was really saying like, Hey, like you need to move it a little bit. You need to like gravity kind of pull on it and let some things happen, like get blood flow to it, like all these things. So it's like there are different mindsets in all these different places. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not yeah. always just like, oh, let, let's do it like the right way. And I'm not always saying like we need to make the surgery happen. No. And it's like, you know, that that's a, uh, that's a, uh, I, I mean, not to bring it back to all about Chinese medicine and, and my ego, but, um, but it's a good um, reminder for people. It's like, there's, you know, everybody, most people, because Western medicine is our standard, they're like, oh, they know there's good doctors, bad doctors, great doctors, good surgeons, bad surgeons, like these horrific surgeons and, and brilliant heart surgeons. And so in acupuncture absolutely runs every bit as much the, the, the same gamut. Um, yeah, I mean, if not, maybe a greater gamut. Um, and so a lot of people have, have, you know, mediocre or, or disappointing, um, experiences with, with one acupuncturist or, or two acupuncturists and, uh, you know, and, and then kind of like dismiss it like, Oh, I tried acupuncture. It doesn't work. And it's like, you know, not knowing that, uh, like there, there's such a huge disparity, you know, it's like yeah. so many steps along the way, you know, uh, like a more novice practitioner, it's like, okay, they might have the wrong, they might have the right diagnosis, but maybe their manual technique with the needles is, is not appropriate. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're not that good or, or maybe they don't understand the herbal medicine or maybe they have the right diagnosis. They know it's blood stasis, but they're ignoring mm-hmm. that other part, you know, and it's like, right. so, so many things have to be thought of and, and checked off at, 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 at kind of like the top tier for, for things to go right, you know? And so, um, so yeah, sometimes <laughs> I've had that before patients come in, like I tried acupuncture once, didn't work. You know? right. I'm like, all right. <laughs> right, 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 right. So it's very, very Western. But I mean, I, I've been that person. I remember the first time I went, I was like, yeah, fuck this. Like, this is like not happening, you know? Yeah. You know, like I, I had, I had like crazy tendonitis in my elbows from a bunch of like ring work that I was doing. And I was like, yeah, like this is, yeah, what's going on here? Like this isn't happening. Um, uh, But eventually it did grow on me and it was something that I went to and did regularly, even though I did not understand conceptually what was going on. I was like, I notice a real change that's happening. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to, I, dude, I feel like you and I can talk forever. Um, But I, but I want to just get a couple more things because I know you do Qigong. Yeah. Do you talk to your patients about movement, breath, um, some of these elements? Um, and, and what do you think of those things and, and how do you address them like in your own practice? Yeah. Um, well, I think they're, they're great. I think they're, they're imperative. I mean, like, you know, uh, like a simple, a simple way of prescribing kind of like, well, like a simple prescription to every single disease is, is asking the person, it's like, well, how much are you exercising? How much are you eating leafy greens? Right. And if both are not a lot, like you're fucked, you have no chance. 
you know, right. air, what dot, like you're fucked. It does, you, maybe you're fucked next month, maybe 20 years from now, but you have to do both. It's like, um, you know, and then there's, there's friends of mine who obviously fall, you know, more on, on the vegan side and, and I fall more on like this sort of Chinese medicine sort of paleo version uh maybe chinese medicine version of a paleo diet but uh but but all encompass like kind of leafy greens and vegetables and so uh or an exercise and um so so i'm really big on it it's just um you know it's funny in any given day it's like you see i see so many different it's so many different people and so many different types of people that come into the office but also wielding so many different conditions right and I usually have about an hour with each mm -hmm. person. And so I have to kind of like quickly decide like, okay, do I have to give this person like exercise homework? Is there time today? Is that an important part of the treatment? Like giving them homework and also instructing them on what the exercise is. And um, it's, it's a hard sell sometimes because you only have so much time with them and they're not coming to you explicitly for you know for physical therapy guidance you know and then mm -hmm. you kind of catch them off guard and it's like you're gonna do these shoulder exercises or you're like what you know right. you're gonna be a qigong master or whatever <laughs> i mean i used to have this one parkinson's patient and he was a great guy um who i liked a lot um but his condition was very stubborn i mean it's parkinson's disease right so it's very difficult and i was at the time just learning how to really treat neurological disorders um and his diet was was not what i wanted um because he was vegan and uh i i understand that's a lot of people's choice some of those people are good friends of mine but um but but for from our perspective it wasn't agreeable for for a neurological condition or, or not ideal um but he was stubborn on the diet and stubborn on the medication i couldn't legally take him off the medication and he wasn't going to come off it um and so every day that he came to my office like i was determined to like turn this guy into a qigong master because i was like <laughs> I, so we actually spent like less time talking about what was going on because i wanted him to get the full time with the needles but i didn't need to know anything anymore i didn't need to know like oh okay is the next stiffness an eight today or a seven today i you know the symptoms were pretty constant. You know, I, I could see that, you know, he had trouble walking. I needed to like, I knew the only chance I had was like turning this guy into a Tai Chi guy. And yeah. I actually don't know how he's doing anymore because I used to see him in the Bronx. But the last I spoke to him, he joined uh, a Qigong club, actually. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I had stopped seeing him and, and actually, um, yeah, he was one of the people that I was, you know, upset. He just lived too far away to start coming downtown to my office. Um, but we've kept in touch a little bit. I, he texted me at one point over the pandemic. There was, we had some texting. But um, but I had seen him before I left the Bronx. He came by to, to say goodbye before I stopped working at that place. And he told me, he's like, you know, I've been doing Qigong five times a week. And, and I feel much better. And, you know, I don't know what his path is, you know how the diet and medications, what kind of ceiling that's going to create for, for whether or not he can really stop the progress of the Parkinson's disease. But mm -hmm. he case where I was like, I, I have, 
I'm not, I can't do it with acupuncture alone. I have to turn this guy into, into a master. <laughs> right. Right. He needs to start like using the machine. Yeah. He has to do it, you know, mm -hmm. because acupuncture alone, especially with my skill level at that time and, you know, fighting against the pharmaceuticals and his sugary diet, it just wasn't going to work. You know, it was, well, I think that, that, that's a hard conversation to have with people where you're like, none of these things work on their own. Like I've talked to body workers too, where like some body workers think that they're like magicians and they're like, Oh yeah. Like I fix people. Yeah. Those are charlatans. Yeah. Uh, but there are people who I have met who are the real deal. And yeah. they're like, I tell my people, I, you need to do this and these other things. Yeah. This yeah. is a this this only does something in collaboration with the other stuff. Yeah. You need to be moving and and expressing what your body's capable of and and exploring and researching and doing these things because if you don't do that, this is just a thing that's happening to you. Well, otherwise it's just a fight. It's just a constant battle, you know. And if you have like great acupuncturists, like yeah, you can go to them and they can like continue you know, fighting your poor diet and lifestyle, but like, you're never going to actually like graduate and raise your physiological baseline unless, unless yeah. changes like acupuncture is, you know, it's, uh, yeah, in spite of what many people think it's, 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 it's very scientific. It's not magic. You know, it's yeah. like going in there to, you know, affect nerve pathways and affect blood flow and, and relax tissues. And, you know, and, and then the results that we get, by doing that, you know, by, by relaxing these muscle tissues, increasing blood flow, you know, moving the nerve pathways and, and, you know, the way manipulating them the way we want to, uh, we can do some incredible shit. Right. But, but the body, body, and like you said earlier, it's like, you're still pouring food into it three days a week. Right. Where that's the point where it's like someone comes and gets, let's say they go regularly. Let's say they get, um, acupuncture twice a week. You're like, yeah. okay, but you're still eating. 21 meals a day or 21 yeah, meals yeah. a week you're like yeah. i can't like you know it's like the the battle yeah. is is constantly being punched back the other direction yeah um so then how often do you practice because i know you said you did you do yoga with your wife and you also practice qigong this is all daily as well um so i go through with qigong i usually go through phases um it's prescribed to do sets for 100 days straight okay and uh, several times in my life I've done like hundred day sets and usually a little longer, mm -hmm. uh, over the quarantine, I did do a hundred day set. Um, lately I haven't been doing lately. Actually my low back has been bothering me. So most of my Qigong the past couple weeks has been towards, has been like orthopedically focused Qigong towards healing the low back. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, cause I got my own shit obviously. And, uh, and so, so, so lately that's been actually usually twice a day. I'll do, I'll do a short set for the low back and I'm really trying to like realign, um, you know, my, my, the, the fifth vertebrae on my lumbar spine is, is pushed a little forward from, you know, lifetime of bad posture and, and sitting in chairs and, and still being, you know, obviously a, a regular guy in spite of knowing Chinese medicine and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so my L5 is probably too forward. And so I'm doing these exercises to try to get it slowly to kind of like correct itself and, mm -hmm. and put it back backwards in line where it needs to be. Right. Mm -hmm. so, so at any given time, I'll admittedly go long durations without doing Qigong. If I mm -hmm. even 
feel like if there's nothing specific for me to address, and uh, I'm thinking of one of my mentors, uh, Frank Butler, who would, who would make fun of me for that, for, mm-hmm. for not being more proactive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there have been times I've done 100 day sets, and then sometimes I'll go a couple months and, and probably not be as good about doing Qigong. Um, yoga's been more of a, more of like at, at least a, a weekly or, or a few times a week practice for me for, for the past decade. You know, when everything clears up, I'm going to make the, the pilgrimage down there on a regular basis and, and, and we'll do movement together. Yeah, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That, yeah, that'll be, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll collaborate. Yeah, I, I see your exercises and I'm like, you know, sometimes there's certain exercises that, that, that cross over enough with like my strengths in, in Qigong and yoga where I was like, where I, where I look at it and I think, you know, I'll, I think I can like be pretty adept at that move, you know? And then there's other ones where I'm like, I'm going to look like a fucking, like some guy that never exercised in his life. At the, yeah. That, and that's know? the, and that's the one we post on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Dude, this, this is just so great. I don't know. Yeah. It makes me, it just, I don't know. It makes me just so happy, like seeing you and like hearing what you're doing and just like hearing you like talk passionately about it. Like, I don't know. It just, and that we're like, I don't know that we're connected again. Like we, you know, I sent you this book and I'm, I'm looking forward to like you reading that and then we'll talk uh, off, sure. the, off the record. Uh, we'll powwow about that stuff. And then, you know, as like the world clears up, we'll get to like get together again and like, you know, we'll, you, you, you can share some Chinese, more Chinese medicine and I'll be able to share some movement with you. But it's like, I don't know. I just, I'm just so stoked that we're like reconnected again. Oh yeah. There's been all these like silver linings of the pandemic and, and this, this is one of them. Definitely. Yeah. What can I, if people are listening and they want to connect with you either just remotely, I, I don't know if you're doing any sort of like remote kind of connecting with people who are, yeah. are not comfortable coming into the office or if there are people who are in the New York area that want to come and see you for acupuncture or, or, or anything else, what is the best way to contact you? Yeah, it's, it's easy. I mean, everything is, uh, I, I, I didn't get too creative. Like, uh, some people, their business names are like, they're like super creative and, and these like clever, like ancient, you know, references to like ancient Chinese culture and stuff like this. Uh, and I think, I, I think when I moved back from LA, I think I was just too exhausted and I was like, David Foster acupuncture. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think I, I, I thought of it and I was like, you know, I'm so passionate about the culture and, and I did martial arts back in the day and I should come up with some cool name. And then I was like, I, I can't. David Foster Acupuncture. That's uh, right. Yeah. So my website is David Foster Acupuncture. It's my Instagram and my Facebook. Everything is mm-hmm. David Foster Acupuncture. And, and yeah, I do a lot of virtual herbal consultation visits. Uh, but, but now we are back in the office. So, so yeah. Okay. And, and if someone like, for instance, like if they're not even in New York and they feel like they want to reach out to you. That's totally cool too. If you can, if you weren't able to see, if they just wanted to work remotely. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, amazing. I, you know, I feel like I was super fortunate to have, you know, for us to have reconnected before I had my own issue, you know, and I'm excited to see like where it goes after that. And then, you know, eventually get down and and get some regular acupuncture going as well. Awesome, man. That'd be fun. Dude. All right. We'll talk soon. I'll send you some photos of my tongue. Okay. And you, and you can send me some of yours just because. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Have a good night. <laughs> Later.